Hello everyone, this is John Wilson of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Today we have a very special episode about a somewhat sensitive topic that has been on my mind lately with some of the things we've seen in current events of the comic world, and that is reboots. Sadly, it is a fact in this world we live in today that many comics fans' favorite characters have been rebooted. Statistically speaking, it's likely that many of you listeners have experienced this yourselves, and for that I am very sorry. If I can confess something to you, several of my favorite characters were rebooted just yesterday. And this wasn't the first time either, but I'm learning something as I cope with these traumatic events. I'm finding out that I kind of like it. And you know what? I'm beginning to realize that this isn't a source of shame for me. Sure, I wouldn't want my characters to get rebooted every day, but that doesn't mean I have to hate it when it happens. So if you're like me and your characters are being rebooted, I offer you the chance to join with me. I know there's some discomfort, maybe even some emotional pain involved, but let's work together to find some pleasure in the experience. Who knows? We may look back on these times and realize that the, the reboot was the best thing that could have happened to the characters at the time. And to celebrate reboots, I now present this very special episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Welcome to episode 34 of Amazing Spider-Man Classics for the month of November 1998. My name is John Wilson, and with me in the studio recording on these big, massive, bulky earphone things are Don Grant. I, I, I just got out of the show um, Mulan. It's Disney's latest movie, and I really, really liked it. They have really good songs in it, because I can't, I can't help... Uh, Getting I'll Make a Man Out of You out of my head. I, I suggest everybody go see it, you know, because tickets are cheap these days right now. So um, go, go, see, go see it before it gets out of theaters. And Josh Bertoni. I hope this episode doesn't run too long because my mom has to use the phone later. And, well, I mean, you guys know, yeah, I can't be online while my mom's on the phone. But uh, I wish AOL would, like, figure out a way so that we, we can do both. Uh, I yeah I'm using the, I'm I'm using right now one of those free 100 hours of AOL discs I got at Blockbuster to be online with you guys right now it's really cool those are awesome I, I installed AOL with that too but I have like five of them that I use for coasters in the in the hall in the house because I mean you get those everywhere Walmart Kroger any place Kmart Kmart yep 
Yeah, this is uh, this is November 1998, which, as you all know, who've been following the show and following comics on the stands, this is the month of the big reboot of Spider-Man. We just got our comics in the mail a few days ago, and uh, we've been reading through them and trying to trying to see what what this reboot thing is all about. Um, well, actually, I got mine off the spinner rack from my uh, local store, Food Lion, because um, it's really it's really cool because it's right it's right close to my house. And I've heard that they're not going to be doing this too much soon, but I don't believe it because as long as I've known, comics are on the, the spinner rack. So either either order it on a subscription service or go to your local grocery store. Yeah, by 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 mail, I mean just to the subscription because it's not like you know there are third party companies out there mailing you comics or anything. Um, I just I just got mine from the from the Marvel subscription. And dude, my copy of uh, Peter Parker was totally bent on the spine. It was it was really really busted. I was kind of pissed. Yeah. Yeah, um, but my my uh, my new girlfriend Bess, this girl I met over at uh, Tams at University of North Texas, we've been dating for about six months. She she told me it it doesn't really matter. It's just a comic book, and she just doesn't understand. Dude, you gotta cut her loose. <laughs> I I might I might cut her loose. We'll never see her again. <laughs> don't let her hear me. Don't let her hear me say that I said that though. <laughs> <laughs> I want to keep dating her because you know um, things are kind of good. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Oh, you guys are regular Ross and Rachel. Speaking of Ross and Rachel, do you think Ross is going to stay with Emily? I'm I'm really following Friends this season. It's uh, it's nail biting. I love Friends. Um, I don't know. I don't think he and Emily really belong together. He needs to get back with Rachel. Everyone loves Rachel, and Jennifer is so yummy. I guess it's just with Seinfeld ending, you know, a few months ago. It's there's not much else to watch. I know. I mean, like that show was like. Nothing's going to ever replace that show. That show's going to like stand the test of time forever. Oh, but have y'all been watching King of the Hill this season? That new show that's come out? Yeah. Um, I know it's, it comes out right right after Simpsons. And since those are the only two animated shows on Fox right now, I, I like I like watching it. That Hank Hill character is such a such a buzzkill. I can't really see it lasting too long. But it really is exactly like Texas. Like you know, I, I've I live in Texas. I've never left the state really for more than five minutes, and um, it's just. It's like so many places that I've lived and friends that I've known have been exactly like them. <laughs> it's kind of scary. Um, I do watch Sunday nights on Fox. Uh, they have that 70s show. I mean, that's th- that that's pretty funny. It can't run too long, though, because it's the first season and they're covering 1976. So I guess it's got like a four season shelf life. Then they'd have to end it. Yeah, it could be like the opposite of Star Trek, though. They had five year mission, but only lasted three years. They could take their four years and stretch them over 20 or something. I bet, you, I bet you it goes 200 episodes, because it's really funny. <laughs> okay. It, they'll have to rename it that 80s show, which I guess they could do. They could do it. Mm-hmm. But that redheaded girl, I forget her name, though. I, I, I would like to keep one of her. Mila Kunis? No, no, that, that's not, and, not... Her, too. I'll take both of them. Oh, Mila Kunis, yeah. You know she's only 14, by the way? Apparently she lied to get a job on the show. Well, I mean... So I, 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 don't know, I don't know if you want to take her. I'm 19, so it would be illegal, like barely. But um, but yeah, she's nice to look at. Um, Dude, it's cool. I turned 13 this month. Did you really? Awesome! Happy birthday. Well, yeah. I, I hope you I hope your teenagers are enjoying your girls right now because the girls are icky. As I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, Don. One day you'll you'll hit you'll hit puberty and your voice will deepen. You'll be this tall, lanky, you know, walking sex machine. It'll be awesome. You'll get the babes then. And girls are <laughs> Betty Brandt, what are you doing here? <laughs> I have to say though that um, the X Files movie 
from this summer was really, really good. I know we talked about it a few episodes back, but I've been watching The X-Files on TV this uh, this season. It's been that, – that's still one of my favorite shows ever. I'd prefer to just stay home and play my Nintendo 64. Dude, we got one of those. It is so cool. I Dude, we should that. totally do a GoldenEye tournament. We should. You know, I really wish that, like, dial-up was fast enough to play games, like, across the internet because – that would be the bomb. Wow, that that's like that's a crazy idea. I mean, that will, that probably won't ever happen, but that's a really cool idea with all the new technology we have. Like, they just came out with that new system called the the Play Game or something. I forgot what it's called, but it's it's brand new and the graphics are crazy. But that would be a cool idea to play with other people across the country, even though it'll never happen. Hold on, okay, I'll send well, you, I'll send um, you a picture of my Nintendo sixty four. It'll take it it should it should upload in about twenty five minutes or so. Hold on. Okay, well, we're hitting our five-minute limit, so let me go ahead and wrap up this segment. I'll upload this, and then we'll put the next segment going. So, um, yeah, this is part one of Amazing Spider-Man Classics, episode 34, and part two, just download it from the same site. After what happened last summer... We are going to... Nobody deserves a vacation more than Julie James. We have arrived in paradise. And here, miles from civilization. So a great weekend. Yeah, a great weekend for She's me. finally gotten away from it all. I should have changed that stupid lock. I should have made Julie the key. If I'd have known for just one second, you'd be back to bother me. Don't have a lyric. Hold on. <laughs> did something to the screen. I said, what are you talking about? But she can never escape her past. It's happening again. What? Because there are some secrets. There, there was a body in there. Cool. I am not going crazy. He's here. Who? Who is here? And there are some fears. Hey, Julie, you see any dead bodies out there? Two summers ago, we hit Ben Willis with our car, and then we threw his body in the water. Can you not tell me the whole story? I'm your best friend. That will haunt her forever. I want off this island. That's not possible. This time... We're all gonna die! Good job, one by one! There's no getting away. I still know what you did last summer. Get hooked again. So in this episode, we are going to look at the first issue of the new The Amazing Spider-Man volume and the first issue of Peter Parker's Spider-Man, both of which were canceled last... Well, I can't really say canceled. They were ended last month and started up anew this month. And it wasn't that big a deal for Peter Parker Spider-Man because it hadn't really gotten that high, well, a little high in the numbers, but Spider-Man after 400 was it 442 issues? 441. 441 issues. Yeah, this will be the 442nd. That's where I got that number. It's it's over. I mean, that's that's a really massive and to think that Spider-Man, Marvel's flagship character is never going to reach, you know, the the 600s or 700s. Or like, you know, action comics, you know, they're in their, what, 700s now? And it's just, 
I think yeah. Action Comics 700 was the issue where uh, Lois Lane, no, where uh, where Pete Ross and uh, Lana Lane get married. Okay, I, I don't read Superman. I mean, I've never really read him other than The Death and a couple other stories. I just, you know, see him on the shelves. But although that reign of the Superman stuff they were doing a couple years ago seemed kind of interesting. What did, did he turn like red and blue or something recently? Yeah, that was cool. I really liked that. That was. A oh, good, I, I got idea. the issue off of the spinner racks, and it came with uh, 3D glasses uh, for one of the covers. It came with 3D glasses. That's it was, funny. It was, yeah, and it was pretty cool. Yeah, there was two Supermen for a while, and Lois like made them sleep on the couch because like both of them wanted to like get with her. And uh, but but they did it. They did this thing called Superman Forever, where like he he he's back to normal now, and it's like it's actually a cool Alex Ross cover. And I, what's the word? Where like not holographic, but wait, Alex Ross? I don't think I know that name. Oh, dude, he's this cool up and coming artist, and like his his stuff, it's like paintings, man. You should check it out. Oh, didn't he do? Was he the one who did that Marvels mini? Yeah, he yeah, did, yeah, he with her music. Okay, yeah, you said paintings, and that, that's what comes to my mind when I think of painted art. Is, is that Mar- Yeah, Marvels was was beautiful. So he's doing Superman. I'm gonna have to pick that up. Um, so, anyways, well, yeah. So action. You know, DC lets their even whenever they do a reboot like Crisis and Infinite Earths or something, they keep their numbers. And so, Action Comics and Detective Comics are probably going to get into the, you know, seven, eight, nine hundreds, maybe even a thousand before before comics finally bite the dust. But um. But not Spider-Man. Spider-Man gets rebooted back to number one. So we're going to talk about that this episode and Peter Parker's Spider-Man number one and also this new – I don't really know how to call it. This sort of like days in the life of – Web Spinner's Tales of Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly what the concept of this series is going to be, but it looks like it's not really the main continuity. There was an interview in Wizard, which I, I love Wizard. It's it's a cool way to get up to date with comic books. It's uh, that magazine needs to stay around forever. It's I think that they said that they were originally thinking about calling it Twice Told Tales, and it's basically kind of like, or wait, I might be confusing that with a Wizard article about Chapter One. I don't remember, but it's I, I have to find my copy of Wizard. But anyway, it's basically like Untold Tales, which you know ended all too soon, unfortunately, uh, but. I still miss that title. Yeah. Yeah, but, like, but, but they're going to skip around with different eras and different creative teams. Okay. Well, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, Untold Tales was cool because it sort of told a, you know, con- not continuous story, but, you know, moving forward in a straight line, filling in the gaps kind of thing. But I guess if you bounce around, then that gives you more creative freedom. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Before we get into the actual books, though, let's just kind of do a little look back at where we've been these last few months and years as far as comic time goes. Well, I shouldn't say as far as time, comic time goes. These last few months and years uh, with Spider-Man and what he's doing, what has brought us to this reboot? And Josh, you tend to be the continuity expert. You want to kind of lead the conversation on this? Why suddenly? Yeah, continuity expert at 13 years old. <laughs> Let's you, see. I, I know you're a little bit OCD, little guy, but you know, come on. Yeah, um, it's been almost two years to the date since the end of the Clone Saga, because the Clone Saga ended, you know, uh, the end of October 1996. Since those two years, they've uh, the books have gone a new direction. They brought Doctor Octopus back, which uh, I guess you know, bringing back some people that they killed off and. Uh, We'll get into more people that died in the Clone Saga getting brought back in a second. We will, but uh, you know <laughs> the books. The books went off and did their thing. Uh, 
Let's see. You know, we got introduced to some new characters in Sensational, like Billy Walters. You know, he was a uh, kind of a cup reporter at the Bugle. You know, who became friends with Peter, that little deaf girl. Uh, I forget her name, but you know, we should just call her that little deaf girl. That little black deaf girl. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about she's a Sensational. Yeah, she's in Sensational. So. uh, sensational's never really been the premier spider-man book so it not getting you know rebooted with the rest of them not too surprised there over in peter parker spider-man we got some storylines with people like morbius and uh we got introduced to the stacy's that was a big thing like you know jill stacy is gwen's cousin and her brother paul stacy he does not like peter one bit but hold on a second He's Peter's tutor? Oh, no. But wait, (laughs) both of them hate Spider-Man. So Peter's got to be tutored by a guy who hates both Peter and Spider-Man. But in typical sitcom fashion, there's actually an issue of Peter Parker Spider-Man where, get this, Peter and Paul get glued together due to the trapster. Oh! Delicious, delicious irony. (laughs) What shenanigans will they face next? Um, Arthur Stacy is their father, and like his brother George, you know, he works with the cops, and he wants to get behind Spider-Man, you know was involvement in his brother's death over in peter parker spider-man a guy named joey z was murdered and uh spider-man was framed for the murder and we'll get into the repercussions for that in a second over in amazing tom defalco had a run and i think his stuff was mostly dealing with like peter and uh mary jane they were back at esu together mary jane was majoring in psychology and peter was trying to finish up graduate school and uh in the meantime allison mongrain was you know in, in some subplot pages, she's the one who disappeared, supposedly with Baby May at the end of the Clone Saga. And over in Spectacular, Norman Osborn, after the whole Revelations thing, he disappeared for a while. He comes back. He buys the Daily Bugle from Jonah, but you later find out that he kind of blackmailed him. And, you know, Flash Thompson uh, goes through, you know, an alcoholism problem, but Norman takes him under his wing, makes him his personal assistant. These plots all kind of come together, where Norman... You know, after he's framed Spider-Man for the murder of Joey Z, puts a bounty ad on Spider-Man's head. And we actually had for, you know, a few months there this thing called Spider-Hunt, then Identity Crisis, where Spider-Man had a different identity crisis is such a cool name for a comic book, you know, story, by the way. They should. Yeah, I mean, that'd be like a really well, DC could use it because it's like a crisis and they they had all those crises leading up crises. No, DC's done with crisis. After Zero Hour, that was the definite end of those sort of multiverse stories. That's true. Yeah. DC's DC's not going to reboot anymore. So, yeah, so Spider-Man had, you know, was wanted by the police and everything. Osborn was in control of the bugle. Oh, and Anna fought. And Anna Watson, who was living in the house with Peter and Mary Jane, thought that Peter was having an affair. Mary Jane said that he was just Spider-Man. Everyone laughed it off. But anyway, this all leads up to the Gathering of the Five, where Norman's gathering these ancient artifacts for this big power ceremony. Allison Mongrain, you know, is found by Joe Robertson, is brought back to the States, tells Peter that May is alive. Everyone thinks that they're talking about Baby May, of course, because, hey, the subplot pages have... Allison Mongrain talking to something in a crib, shaking a rattle at it, saying, my precious. Uh, But then when Peter goes to the house to fight Norman Osborn, it turns out that it's Aunt May, who wasn't really dead. She was replaced with a genetically altered actress. And she's got, like, this thing in her that if they don't take it out of her skull, she's going to die. But Osborn reveals to Peter that if they do take it out of her skull, it, it puts off, like, a bomb that, like, makes everyone in the world melt. Yeah, that doesn't make sense either. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, we but... bought every issue of it. <laughs> yeah, we did. We're like, well, it's ending soon. So Peter and Osborne, Osborne does the power of the five ceremony with his friends, and they each get different powers or like, well, I don't have the thing in front of me. I, I have to get out my, my gathering of the five books, but there's like insanity, there's death, there's youth, I think. and We should remember this because it was just last month that that finished up. No, it was two months ago. Well, it's, I've slept since then, two months ago. Yeah, they, they, they took a break. Uh, but anyway, Osborne thinks he got power, and he fights Spider-Man. And this was this cliffhanger killed me. Oh, my God, I remember two months ago. Like, he takes Peter to the middle of the Daily Bugle, like, you know, uh, like uh, streets. You know, everyone's gathered around him. Betty Brand, Flash Thompson, Ben Urich, Jonah Jameson, Robertson. Osborne unmasks Peter in front of all of them, says, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, now say goodbye. Throws a bomb at him. And then holds up up the carcass of Peter Parker and say, I did it after all these years. I killed Spider-Man. And I'm like, oh, my God, what's going to happen next? And then. Yeah. And then and then the beginning of the next issue, Osborne's face. I killed Spider-Man. You turn the page and he's all webbed up and Spider-Man standing behind him. Turns out Osborne didn't get power. He got madness. And most of the events of the last issue were just a delusion. But like whenever they shot Jr. Yeah. Now, so Peter Parker wasn't unmasked in front of everyone and killed because my God, like that was like, that was on the edge of my seat for that. I, I, I really was like, you know, real talk, you know, aside. So the Daily Bugle building is about to collapse from all these bombs. Spider-Man holds up the building in this heroic moment. Goblin is, you know, taken away, you know, by the, you know, mental hospital people. And Peter finally is able to web the Daily Bugle building so that the workers can get out safely and so it doesn't fall and kill everyone. And Spider-Man realizing that he's had it, you know, he just wants to, you know, he's given his life for the people of New York and people like Jonah still hate him. He walks off, tells the camera crew that he quits. He's able to get to Reed Richards in time to say that if you operate on Aunt May, the whole world will blow up somehow. So Reed Richards signs his Aunt May and figures out a way to save her. And Ame's alive, instead of Baby May. Because you demanded it. Mary Jane gets an offer to go back to modeling, drops out of college, and becomes a supermodel again. And they all decide to live happily ever after. And Norman Osborn is dragged away in his hospital room by the Scryers. And the, the titles end. He's given up being Spider-Man. So, that's where we are. Now, you all have talked about this before. I don't really go to a comic shop, so I don't really hear a lot of the scuttlebutt. But it really feels like, I mean, the Clone Saga and this whole thing... It feels like they don't really want to have Peter Parker in the books anymore. Like, like with him being married to Mary Jane, I, I keep hearing rumors that Marvel is tired of writing a married Peter Parker. Do you think that's why we had Ben Riley and the whole Clone Saga thing, and that's why we're having this reboot here? I mean, because Peter's, I mean, he's still part of the books, but he's not Spider-Man anymore. So is, is it going to be Peter Parker is now a supporting character in the new Spider-Man's life? I guess we can talk about that more after we finish, after we do the, the talk. Well, about there was an interview in Wizard where, like, um, you know, the Wizard Spider-Man special where they said to – it was either John Byrne or Howard Mackey. Is Peter going to become Spider-Man again? And I think it was Mackey. He laughs and says, maybe. Then his next thing is, come on, guys. Of course Peter's going to be Spider-Man again. That's like asking DC if Superman's going to come back from the dead. They said in that Wizard magazine, John, that like you know, that 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 that's well, that, uh, that 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 has hit since we last recorded. So I didn't really get a chance to talk to you about right. it yet. Well, I know that you missed some issues of Wizard because you know the newsstands sell them out. But uh, 
they said in one issue of Wizard that like the problem with Mary Jane is they don't like Spider Man Mary, but if you kill her off, then he becomes a widow. And if you divorce them, he becomes a divorce guy. So it's kind of a catch-22. Well, as long as, you know, they don't try to, like, retcon the marriage or something like that. Because, I mean, making it, making him a widow is one thing. Divorcing him is another thing. But at least, you know, Marvel, we always have continuity. Unlike DC, where they just sort of, you know, change things in 1986 because they wanted to. Um, well, at least they keep their numbering. More. Yeah, they keep their numbering. They may have Crisis and Infinite Earths. They may have Zero Hour. There may be like you know two different legions of superheroes right now, but at least they keep their numbering. Well, Fantastic Four has had two number ones in the past few years. You know, Daredevil just got a new number one for no reason. And you know that artist though, Joe Casada, he's really cool. I hope he stays on Marvel for a while. I like and, Joe Casada. Yeah, he should he should be on Spider Man. I think he would do a good Spider Man. I'd like to see some covers of him doing spider-man um but you know i again i think that that was in it with the fantastic four and everyone oh you know the avengers and captain america and iron man having two number ones i think the whole heroes reborn thing they really meant for that to be the new superheroes for the new era and well we hated it and so everyone else must have hated it even though we can't talk to them because they're out there and there's no way to talk to people in other parts of the country on you know chat rooms comics. you don't go to chat rooms yeah, but there aren't really that many people there. And my mom, my mom doesn't allow me. You never know who are on chat rooms. Oh, I go when she's not looking. I mean, I, I met I met my girlfriend through through uh, AOL instant messaging and stuff, but but that's different. Anyways, internet, internet dating that, that that that's a market that should be tapped into. Ooh. I really shouldn't make jokes with you underage kids, but you know, as long as no one knows who I really am, it's all okay. Well, we I think we've we've sort of talked about what's been going on. Let's go ahead and look at the new books. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man, Volume 2, Number 1. Uh, I understand, according to the, uh, the one comic shop that I get this information from, they got their issue on November 11th, 1998. So I guess that was kind of the standard release date. That was the same week that Spider-Girl Number 4 came in. I, I'm kind of still iffy on this new series. We've been talking about that on the B-side episodes and Spider-Man Chapter 1, Number 3. That Chapter 1 is still going. We, have, we haven't decided how we're going to cover that since it's a miniseries. Um, it's not part of the ongoing, but we'll we'll talk about how to cover that soon. I hate so much that they're basically like making this. You say that Marvel, we can always count on continuity. Dude, Chapter 1's changing continuity, and they're referencing it in the issues that we're covering tonight. Yeah... Yeah, it's we, we only minor tweaks. That. I mean, minor tweaks. First of all, the burglar's whole motivation for robbing the Parker house changes because he's tailing Spider-Man. This issue. This yeah. means that the whole like buried treasure from the Marvel Wolfman run is totally moot from continuity. And they actually referenced this in, in one of the Wizard magazines that like you know John Byrne thought that that whole thing was stupid, so you know he reconned it out of continuity. So does that mean that issue 200 of Spider-Man didn't happen now with the burglar dying because he was looking for buried treasure in the Parker house? But I, I have. Read those issues. I mean, there, there's no way to, to get copies of those issues. 
I got him at my LCS, and this also means that Jessica Carradine from the Clone Saga has no reason to be mad at Spider-Man if her father never had the heart attack and died. And, oh, Dr. Octopus now has the same origin as Peter Parker. He didn't get a microscope from Uncle Ben and Aunt May. He got a computer. So what did he leave at the—so what did he try and get back from the church auction? A computer? Did Aunt May accidentally put that in a box in issue uh, 290, or did he accidentally put the computer at Uncle Ben's gravestone in 182? This—who uh, puts the computer at a tombstone? Stone. I may what I can. I, can I, mean, I, I just got my first computer last year. It, I mean, it, it's got this, you know, sweeping four gigabyte hard drive. Um, I mean, I could never fill this thing up. Four gigabytes. Wow. Um, Two hundred megahertz processor. Dude, that's fast. You can play some games on there. I know. No. I could actually like a Doom. It's it's a really cool machine. Okay, well. You've obviously read more Spider-Man than I have because you're rich and you have all those comics. I don't. I don't have them. To me, it seems like minor tweaks and just bringing it up to date with with the modern world. But I guess well, we I don't know how. how it's yeah, my, my minor tweaks that have far-reaching continuity implications. Sure. <sighs> fine, fine, fine. <laughs> so the Amazing Spider-Man. The cover is a wraparound job by John Byrne with Spider-Man perched on a web that serves as the background for the whole thing with all the heads of the people he knows caught in the strands, like actually kind of creepily like spider food. It's it's really kind of strange looking. Um, on the front are Peter and Mary Jane, Aunt May, Jonah, Robbie, and Betty. And you would ask yourself, how are Spider-Man and Peter both on this web? Is it just artistic license? So that actually plays into the story, as we're going to see. On the back, we have a full body shot of this new super 90s scorpion in a new blue armored suit with green detailing. And there are the heads of the Fantastic Four in the top left. Um, Reed Richards, Susan Storm. I'm sorry, Susan Richards, the thing and the immortal human torch who will never die. And several Avengers going down the right side, Captain America, Who Will Never Die, Thor, Iron Man, the Scarlet Witch, and the Vision. And on the bottom are several heads of people that we don't know until we start reading the issue. They look like, I guess they're going to be the new supporting cast for Spider-Man now. Um, the logo on the front of the cover is the same as it was at the end of the previous volume, which kind of surprised me, actually. I was expecting them to come up with a new logo, since they did for all the, um, the Heroes Reborn books. They all had new logos. I thought Spider-Man would too. But. Well, Spider-Man is such an iconic character. I can't see them changing his logo that much. This is a really different logo than his original one, though. With the this is like the the spiky vertical lettering as opposed to the curvy. It's um, very modern, very '90s. You know, very you know present, up to date, current, right. current day. Yeah. So yeah, there's a banner caption across the bottom, "The Legend Reborn," and and that brings us into the issue. the The cover is a it's not only a wraparound image, but it's also fold out. And it has bios for Peter, May, Mary Jane, Jonah, Robbie, Betty, and the Scorpion, who really is completely unrecognizable. If they didn't tell us he was a Scorpion, I wouldn't have guessed he was a Scorpion. Then I love Marvel for having these things, you know, which they, they introduced them, I think, about a year and a half ago. And it's it's really a great thing for the books. And I hope that they never get rid of them. It helps a new reader stay up to date, you know, and it helps – it keeps the interior pages from getting too exposition-y because they tell you everything you need to know about the book. But I guess in this particular issue, they assume that you weren't going to actually read them because this book is so exposition-y. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, oh, will we? <laughs> oh, will we? <laughs> 
Okay, so yeah. Uh, tells us who they all are, why we care. Then there's a page of panels basically summing up the very last bits of what Josh was saying a minute ago. They caught the goblin. Uh, the public still hates Spider-Man. And Peter figures since his life is you know in balance right now, he's going to quit being Spidey. The opening splash... Is, oh, he actually shows him burning the Spider-Man suit, which is kind of cool. The opening splash is an up-her-nose shot of the top of the Statue of Liberty with a bunch of people in the in uh, Lady Liberty's crown pointing out into the sky where there are flaming letters in the sky that spell out the message, Where are you, Spider-Man? Where are you, Spider-Man? Since, you know, they're flaming. Our credits at the bottom read Howard Mackey, John Byrne, Scott Hanna on story and art, Gregory Wright on colors, Richard Starkings and Comic Crafts Liz Agrafiatis on letters. Well done. <laughs> Ralph Macchio, editor. I think it's Macchio. I've heard Marvel people say Macchio. I mean, for, for the longest time, I was not willing to believe that this wasn't the Karate Kid. I figured the Karate Kid actor had gotten a new career, and then I found out that this guy's like two decades older. So, Are you for serious? Yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was the Karate Kid guy. Okay. <laughs> oh, the Twin Towers are in this shot. And Bob Harris, future DC rebooter. Wait, I, mis- I read that wrong. F- uh, Editor-in-chief. So it turns out that there are flaming letters in the sky because Torch is flying around town telling the air what he and Spider-Man have been up to <laughs> separately. And we find out that Spider-Man has been off the grid for months now. There was a one-month break for us as readers. It's been six months in Spider-Land. The Fantastic Four are in the air also with him in their classic Mark I bathtub design Fantasticar. But wouldn't you know it, watching them fly overhead from his swank penthouse apartment's balcony is the ex-webhead himself, Peter Parker. These two pages with the torch and Peter are covered with exposition that bleeds onto the next page as well as we see just how happy and rich Peter is now. The not-so-dead Aunt May has made him some lunch, and they spend time telling each other and us more of what all has been going on, and while they are telling us how awesome life is now, the supposedly loser superhero's phone rings. And on the other end of the line is his eminently redhead supermodel wife in a teeny weeny bikini oh yeah she is (laughs) that's very 90s (laughs) (laughs) she is traveling for a uh, photo shoot and is calling peter to let him know that while she's been out another job opportunity has come up so she may be several extra days getting home dude they're doing satellite phones that's awesome yeah, it really is kind of cool. I, I just got my first cell phone, so it's uh, portable. Oh, is, phone. Is, is really it too good. heavy? No, it's 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 smaller. It's about as long as my hand, but maybe about half as wide. It's 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 not bad. It's uh, it has a little antenna that sticks up that makes it bigger, but um, it's one. It's it's Motorola, and they do, they make good phones. And Peter is totally okay with Mary Jane being gone because he has discovered internet porn and he can just download photographs. Um, So he reaffirms his promise of no costumes and tells her that she is okay to stay gone. We then see a series of vignettes where Daredevil and then Captain America and the Avengers and then Jameson and the Bugle all deal with Spider-Man's extended absence. We're going to come back to these scenes in depth in the notes because... um, Josh has some things to say. <laughs> Would you believe? 
<laughs> oh, does he? <laughs> does he? Jameson's reaction to Spider-Man's absence is to keep throwing him under the bus in headlines and to not pay Peter for photos that don't have Spider-Man in them. But Robbie cuts him a check anyway since he's the editor-in-chief and he's the one who makes these decisions and Jameson is just a publisher who can't get over his old job. The word then comes in that Scorpion is on a rampage, but Peter says he can't go with them to check on the news because he has another appointment. What could that be, Spider fans? A supervillain shows up and Peter ducks out claiming to have an appointment. Will he break his promise to Mary Jane? Hmm... Cut to the city streets, where Scorpion's new zoot suit is helping him make mincemeat of the police. Betty Brant sneaks a little too close for her photograph opportunities, and just when Scorpion spots her and it looks like things are going to go bad for her, guess who shows up? Yep, it is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Spider-Man bounces and fights and cracks jokes, but doesn't really use any webs on old Scorpionock, and Scorpion kind of makes note of this in case the reader didn't figure it out. And when Scorpion gains some high ground and knocks part of a building wall onto Spider-Man, instead of another use of the often overused Spider-Man holding up rubble bit, Spidey instead goes down under the rubble. He is caught underneath, and that is where we leave the scene. A short time later, according to the caption, we find Peter Parker at Horizon Labs for a job interview, looking remarkably rubble-free. You said Horizon Labs. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I read that wrong. This is the Tricorp Research Foundation. My handwriting's just bad. Anyways, while Peter is being given the tour by one Terry Kwan, and during their conversation, he has several thought balloons that strongly suggest that he was not in the Spider-Man suit that we just saw fighting the Scorpion. And we all know from Amazing Spider-Man 13 that if Spider-Man is doing things and Peter doesn't remember, then he must be having a psychological break. But that's not important right now. He's not really having it. It will be important in web spinners. (laughs) 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 That's true. I didn't even think about that when I wrote it, that it all ties together. What is important is that Peter gets introduced to the people he'll be working with. And their names are Bella Fishbach, Uatu Jackson, Grady Scraps, wait, No, I'm sorry. My my handwriting is bad here again. Um, Walter Thorson, Javier. Okay, I want to say Caldron because that sounds like a Hispanic name, but it's spelled Cadrone, which does not sound like a Hispanic name. It sounds like an Italian name, but Javier, I think, is a Hispanic name, so I don't even know what this guy's name is supposed to be. Uh, Stan Hardy and Chantal Stone. Just as Peter is starting to talk to them, before we can even get to know these people at all, the Kool-Aid Scorpion bursts through the wall. Oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll get to know them later on during this reboot. Oh, yeah, yeah. We just, we just, They're just, you know, faces and names right now. But Chantal's kind of cute. They'll, they'll be as recognizable as, you know, a Flash Thompson or a Glory Grant. They'll have their own heads on the, on the, on the, on the first two uh, bio pages. <laughs> So Scorpion yells a lot about trying to find someone and no one move and all that stuff that villains say when they burst into the scene. Peter starts to very nimbly grab people and leap them to safety, trying to do as much as he can without blatantly revealing his powers. Scorpion's wrist scanner device pinpoints Parker, who is apparently Scorpion's target, and just as it looks like Peter is going to have to fight for his life and reveal his spider powers, Spider-Man leaps in through the ceiling to defend him. And Peter and we are both, who the, what the, how the, how is there a Spider-Man and a Peter Parker at the same time? Ben Riley lives! Ben Riley does live. No, we don't know that. I mean, it could be Ben. 
the fight doesn't last long because we're running out of pages. Uh, Peter decides to help out as non-costume science geek. We actually see very little of Spider-Man and Scorpion fighting. We focus on Peter. He goes to power up this device called the Kirby 2000 which basically involves him plugging it into cable to it, uh, wrapping the cable around Scorpion's wrist, him yelling at Javier to hit the button, and um, when he does, Scorpion gets this huge electric jolt that takes him down. Peter grabs Spider-Man by the arm and demands to know who is under the mask. Spider-Man, of course, doesn't say, because that would be ruining the whole secret identity shtick, and runs away instead. Peter's ability to think on his feet gets him the job with this... um, tricorp company and he goes home to tell aunt may who says that she hasn't been this disappointed in him since he ran out on her the night i'm I'm sorry Um, (laughs) my handwriting is just really bad oh that hurts <laughs> um, I'll, I'll tell you, what you need to do is t- pop out your typewriter and start typing these things, you know, and then like yank out the paper from the, from the typewriter and then make your notes that way. Dude, it's 1998. Everyone uses Microsoft Word on Windows. I have a Windows 98 and I use it on that. And actually, my mom, rec- I mean, even though I have my own computer, my mom did recently buy this computerized typewriter. It's a word processor that's basically a typewriter with an LCD built in. So you can type everything into that. And then the typewriter will just hammer out the paper for you once you've edited it and everything else. It's it's kind of silly, for, but it's something for the family to use since my computer is just for me. Um, but anyways, I should use that for my notes. You're right, because then I could be able to read them and I wouldn't get everything wrong. Anyways, what, made what was the name of the guy that Peter got the that that, that gave Peter the job? Um, I didn't even write that down. Let me just flip to the page real quick. Ted Twarky, Ted Turner, uh, Lucius Fox. Is it Max Modell? <laughs> no, it's it's Ted Thwacky. Yeah, it I thought it was Max, Max Modell. Okay, never mind. No, sorry, that's a different guy. So what May really says is that she's so proud of Peter for doing everything that she and Ben had dreamed he would do, and that basically takes us to the end of this issue, or at least the the main feature of this issue. We'll talk about the backup features later. So yeah, let's um let's let's talk about this brand new issue one of the new Spider Man. How does it rank among us? We don't really give grades or, or in letters or anything on this on this show. I enjoyed it. Da, da, da. I mean, Dude. 90s Spider-Man has been up and down. I mean, I, I, I ever since, you know, to me, I feel like the, the 80s were a golden age. For, and, then, you know, we, we started doing this show. We talked about how the 80s were really cool and everything. 90s Spider-Man for me has been up and down. I didn't think that this was one of the downs. Okay, um, that's that's one opinion. What do you think? What do you, what do you think, Josh? With this, when, when you got this issue and you read it, what did you think about it? John Wilson, you sir are a fool, <laughs> a foolish fool. It was very exposition heavy. I will grant you that, but I feel like that was because they wanted to make, bring everyone who had not been reading Spider-Man up to speed on what was going on with Spider-Man. Then read the recap pages for crying out loud. Uh, I agree. Me and, 
Okay, me and Don, you know, I went I went to my local comic book shop a few days ago, and I got some old Daredevil issues, and I was reading some of the pages to Don, and we were talking about how in the 70s they handled exposition better than it, because there's an issue where, like, Matt Murdock's thinking about, you know, his life the last few days since he got back together with Natasha, and the way he's talking, it comes natural. Let me read to you some dialogue here that does not come natural at all. The Human Torch, when he's talking about where the heck Spider-Man is, like you said to Air, he said, says, you had just had your latest in an ongoing series of tussles with your arch-rival, the Green Goblin, is all. By all accounts, it was the big one, and he almost took half the city out and intent to kill you. The, what, who talks like that? He's talking like he's transcribing it to, like, the newspaper or something, you know? It's... And then Peter Parker, he's on his balcony, and he's like, boy, ever since my parents died, and then my Uncle Ben raised me, and then this happened, then this happened, then this... It's... And then the thing, he's like, yup, you know, it's not every day that the Invisible Woman, the Mr. Fantastic, and the Thing are, you know, flying around with the rest of the Fantastic Four. And then the Avengers, they're all introducing each other during this training session. Like, please, Vision, there's no need to be overprotective of me, blah, blah, blah. He would sooner put me, place me in harm's way than he would hurt the Vision. Blah, oh, okay, that was a bad sentence to choose. But, like, the way that, like, they're talking <laughs> to each other by their code names. But, yeah, on the subject of exposition, Mac Gargan, he's giving exposition to the cops that he's killing. He's like, yep, I'm a private investigator, just like in the old days. Like, why is he giving his biography to the cops that he's trying to kill? <laughs> I mean, and then when Betty Brant goes up to the scorpion with her camera, I almost expected her to say, boy, it's funny. I used to be Jonah's secretary. Now I'm a reporter. Thank God they didn't do that. Or that would have made me, you know, like put the book down. They would never do that. in this. I guess I'd like to see how it's going to go after issue one, because you're right. The, the scripting is stilted with the exposition, with the. You know, I think it does overshoot the mark in trying to bring new readers up to speed. Um, but I thought we have the gatefold page for that, though. There's there's the scripting and there's the story, and I felt like the story was decent. The story could be decent if the art was a little better, but sure, let's talk about the story a little bit and some stuff that happened in the story. During this Avengers training session, The th- Thor throws his hammer at Vision. Obviously, he knows that Vision's it's just going to phase through Vision, but then everyone freaks out and panics. Oh my god, it's going to hit Wanda. As if, like, you know, isn't that the whole point of a training session? You're trying to hit people? Like, didn't he know it was just going to go through her and hit Wanda? And the amount of time they're saying, oh no, Wanda, what are we going to do she gives an exposition thing of her powers and then the hammer drops now the way she's standing by four and the amount of time that they would have had that conversation before they could even say wanda the hammer would have hit her square in the chest and also what you don't see in that third panel when it says swamp her altering of probabilities has also made the curtain in front of her crotch disappear hachi machi just saying that they can't show that because it's a all-ages comic and then, okay, Spider-Man's been missing for months. Cool. The Human Torch is worried about him. So on this same day, on the same day, like, everyone seems to be talking about Spider-Man on the same day. Now, it could be a coincidence, you know, because, and it, it, it's helped by the fact that Jonah did an article about Spider-Man. But, hey, Jonah does those every day. So, like, on the same day that the Human Torch randomly decides where is Spider-Man, the Avengers call a meeting because Jonah did an article that's headlined Spider-Man 
coward or criminal. And Captain America said, Jameson's gone too far. Are you kidding me? Jameson's done much worse than that. Yeah, and then Captain America's like, Jonah Jameson's gone too far this time. You know, as he holds up the Daily Bugle and it says, Spider-Man, coward or criminal. Of all the years that these people have known Spider-Man, of all the years, this is the time that Captain America says, Jonah Jameson's gone too far. Not the many times that the Daily Bugle has placed a bounty on Spider-Man's head. Not the times that they've called Spider-Man and everything from a terrorist to a murderer to like... And the thing is that this is six months after Spider-Man's been gone and Jonah Jameson has been doing these headlines the entire six months. Why is now Spider-Man coward or criminal? I mean, yes, that... Has it been six months? I thought it was like two or three. I think I saw six months somewhere in here. Um, uh, uh, let but me look. that headline is an asshole headline. He's gone. He has left the scene, just like you said. And now to get him to come back, you're calling him a coward. Either he's a criminal for being Spider-Man, or he's a coward for not being Spider-Man. That is an asshole thing for Jason for Jameson to say. But theoretically, well, they, he's been they, doing headlines like this for six months. The thing that gets me about Jameson in this issue, this new uh, reboot era is the fact that like. If you're introducing new char- new readers to uh, the Spider-Man universe, you Jameson to me comes off as a villain. He doesn't come off as somebody who's like necessarily likable because he's so irascible. He comes off as somebody who, in contrast to his previous appearances, who was just kind of like funny, or or, or like or uh, he comes off as like crazy and somebody who you don't even want to like bother with. But really, I mean, I've read those first twenty issues of Spider-Man, and he he starts off evil before he becomes half likable yeah he first appears in amazing spider-man one he is just like this issue the fbi against spider-man but this time according to captain america he's gone too far and apparently they're so busy talking about this daily bugle thing that when Men- america wasn't there whenever jonah james had first started calling out spider-man which is the fun oh. God, it's like, so when Betty Brandt's like, you know, the Scorpion's attacking, no one can reach the Avengers or the FF. No one can reach the Avengers because they're too busy staring at a newspaper. We've stared at this newspaper long enough. What do we do about Jonah Jameson? And the Fantastic Four are too busy, you know, giving exposition. Boy, Ben Grimm, ever since those cosmic rays hit you and you became the thing and, you know, and and, and the sworn enemy of Yancey Street, like, already messages... (laughs) (laughs) already messages in the sky so you know uh, uh, okay maybe galactus showed up or something in like the and like let's see oh the two pages in between captain america saying jonah's gone too far so like they sent this out like what's captain america gonna do about it or like you know they set it up like they're gonna do something about it and the daily bugle okay we see that they have a new building so norman osborne's disappeared does osborne Industries still own the daily bugle like, are they ever going to touch on that? Like, you know, everything's back to normal at the Daily Bugle, but there's still a question of ownership. Is that going to be resolved? I don't know. Well, if it's been some number of months, then theoretically that's been resolved off panel. Well, can they tell us about it? <laughs> I, 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 I think it's been two or three months, but I, yeah, I, I have to check. Gotta save some secrets, Josh. Yeah, the the mental limit, the mental memory I had of where it said six months was the uh, the torch monologue, and all he says is months. So yeah, it could be two, it could be six. We don't know. But definitely long enough for something like Who Owns the Bugle to have been decided. Well, you know, a major plot point like Who Owns the Bugle, that's, you know, what they should tell the readers. So... Matt Gargan, you know, he goes on and on about how he's just like in the old days a private investigator. And now he's private investigating. But he's not. He has a scanner. 
You know, and it's telling him where the guy is. So you're not doing any private investigating. You're just following the yellow brick road. And then when he sees Peter Parker, he's like, you, Parker. Now, okay, granted, Peter Parker, it's been at least maybe, let, let's say, you know, seven to eight years. Because, you know, because that's what, you know, that he told that Stan Hardy guy or Javier, like, you know, when, when he was in high school, since Matt Gargan took that case. So, yes, he could have forgotten the name Peter Parker. He could have forgotten the face. However, it was his last case as a private investigator. He trailed Peter Parker for a period of time in, in this last case, and he was hired by Jonah. It's what put him in contact with Jonah and what led him to becoming the Scorpion. So I would think that he would remember the name somewhat. But, you know, that, that, that one's a little forgivable. And by the way, who hired the Scorpion to find Spider-Man? I bet you, knowing Howard Mackey's track record, I'm going to bet you that Howard Mackey's never going to answer that question. we got to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, he's starting a new story. Theoretically, he should know how it's going to end. Now, your point about the Scorpion... And- Tell you what, John, if he doesn't answer that question by the year 2011... I will pay you 60 bucks. I'll write you a check right now. You could cash it, you know, whenever, but I'll uh, 60 bucks cash the check. If he doesn't, if he, if he, if he reveals at any point who are the scorpions, the thing about that is that that's like 60 gallons of gas. You guys, you, you, you know that that next year is 99 and, That'll, that'll, that'll be after the Y2K book, which will wipe out it in all all uh, dial-up communication we have. So, yeah, but I've been and my to bank it. account too. So the check's gonna be worthless. <laughs> I'm not too worried about Y2K. I listen to this Bible prophecy show, and this guy's got to figure it figured out. Y2K is not gonna be anything. I got the impression that Scorpion didn't exactly know who he was looking for. That he was following a bio scan on his little device, and when it got to Parker, he was surprised it was Parker. I don't think that Scorpion knew he was going to go after Peter Parker. I, don't, I wasn't even sure. The way that he's talking to Peter, like, move it, you, move it, you, like, he's not. Then he says, you, Parker, as if, oh, so you're Parker. Like, he doesn't use any, like, you know, names for him. You know what I mean? On and the previous so, page of the bottom, he, he looks at a red-headed, red-bearded guy whose name I've forgotten. says, are you him? Don't even think about passing out. And then he checks his bio scan and it's not him. Then it points to Parker, and it, it to me it looks like recognition. It looks at he looks at Parker. He's like you, Parker. The bioscan matches perfectly. I don't know what you've done, but I, you're mine now. So I think he does recognize Peter. He says, "Buddy, you have no idea how much pain you put me through." When Peter Light, the, to, okay, well I guess that no, one's. That's, but that's before he before he recognizes him. Right. Well, I'm. He's been in that room at that point. He's at least seen Peter. And I guess it's open to interpretation, but the way that I've always read it, you know, for the last, you know, few weeks that I've read this book, I I feel like I've been reading it since, you know, for 13 years, though. Um, I've always I've always interpreted it as you like, you know, you're you're Parker, that it's not recognition, the face face like, aha, at last I've I've found this guy. See, I, I read it completely opposite. He's he's following a bio scan signature. And the bioscan signature leads into Peter, and when he sees Peter, he's like you, and, and he knows the na- he knows the f- name that goes with the face he sees, and so he calls him by name, and he's like, I don't know why I'm after you, but the bioscan matches perfectly, and you've been you know you've been a big pain in my side because I've been sent on this mission, and now you're coming with me. I don't That's know what how I read it to you, and I hope the reader will find out one day. And <laughs> to be honest, I don't, I don't really know what to make of the scene because I mean, I, I suppose I have to wait till issue two. But the way the art is, with with like, it's very, it's kind of vague to me what exactly this means, in my opinion. And and, and Don, we haven't really heard a lot from you yet. What yeah, are cool. some of your thoughts on the earlier parts of the book? 
Well, honestly, when I first read it, I called up Josh on my telephone at home. Long distance, and, though, you know. Yeah, it was it was a long distance call. But well, you, you, your mom got you that calling card, right? Well, I, I did, but uh, since since uh, I got I got in a fight at school with me being in grade school and everything, I got grounded. So she took that took that back. But I snuck in. I snuck it when they were asleep and called them long distance. And we were talking about it. And at first, I really didn't like it because it was so exposition as expositional. But then I kind of read it again, and I was like, well, the exposition is bad, and Jameson looks like a crack up, but it's. For it's it's not a horrible issue in its own right. But for number one issue introducing new people to Spider-Man, I think it's lacking. I mean, I think the art's really good all all around. But I think that this isn't what it should be. And for a story that is trying to get new readers into Spider-Man, having Peter Parker be an, be a, a a gawking bystander to me kind of like questions what they were thinking in like making this book, making this story at all. It's a good. It's a it's an all right story, but for a number one starting off a new series, to me the kind of it's very questionable. So I think that this is a, this is this is trying to be a good story, but it's just coming up short with the the goo gobs of exposition and the really odd story that's going on. I mean, we don't we don't know what's going on, and it's too much of a mystery, and it's it's too bogged down in things. I agree with you about the art. I really did like this. I feel like John Byrne has come a long way since Man of Steel. Um, and maybe that's the inker, maybe that's the colorist. I don't know. Maybe just be the the, the production methods have gone up. Um, but but yeah, I really enjoyed the art. It's good yeah. art. I'll give it that. <laughs> and also, it's like it's just like everybody's so copacetic with being happy and everything. I mean, we we got Aunt May back. Who I don't know. I mean, when when you guys read Amazing Spider-Man 400, I don't, I don't know about you, but I really like I really like that book. So to find that she was alive again was a shock and then like if this is what they're going to do with her i mean again this is the first issue we don't know what's going to happen and it's, odds are we're all going to be wrong about this later on but her saying that peter parker is frailing and it, 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 it seems to me i'm not 100 percent sure but it seems to me as though they're trying to do the whole stan lee thing and when because do, do you remember those books when like where aunt may was like always like oh peter you're so weak and like she would feed him wheat cakes I mean, I know it was a long time ago. I feel but like we're back to that. Yeah, well, it, it does. It, it feels it feels very familiar, and it doesn't feel very. I mean, I suppose there were fun books, but I was kind of surprised that they weren't trying anything new. The only thing that was new is that Aunt May had rap music to blame uh, her mysterious death on. Yeah. So yeah, it and on. it's not only bringing Aunt May back; it's bringing her. It's they had to tease us with the return of Baby May, which people had been asking for for two years, and they tease us for it. They have Allison Mongrain say May is alive. Peter say at last behind the store is my daughter May, and then open the door and Aunt May's there. Like that is a horrible <laughs> way. It, and that's how it happened, though. In no, the I, know, I know that's what happened. I read the I read the comic book. Like, what a horrible, horrible cheat. Yes, that was a very horrible cheat. And like, you know, if you're going to bring someone back, don't do it in the way that piss the fans off, which is what they did. Yeah, it's like dangling what you what they know they really want in front of them and then giving them an 80-year-old geezer woman that everyone was tired of and glad to see leave. Who makes fun of your hero. And 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 her death is yeah, rap music. That, that that's why she thinks she died. That's why she thinks the green goblin kidnapped her. To be honest to me, that's typical Aunt May, though. I mean, just oh, she, she must have listened it. to that news, not that new nosity that came out because that came out uh, a couple of months ago. The um, the thing that bothers me about this story, and, and and you know, like I said, overall I liked it, but there were a couple things that bothered me. Peter Parker is supposed to be the down on his luck superhero, and I know they went way too far 
a few years ago with sending Peter into the depths of depression with his parents being Mm -hmm. robots and then replacing him with Ben and everything else. I I understand that they don't want to go back to that, but Peter is in a, a, a very nice penthouse apartment. His wife does not look like she has ever come close to punching out a kid. You know, she's supermodeling again and it, and he's getting the dream job. He, he starts out this issue with an awesome apartment, sexy wife, getting the dream job. It's like the, it's, it's like he's really hit the big time. And to I me, really just don't know. Big time. <laughs> I really just don't know that that's really Spider-Man. And if we're doing a new number one, I feel well, it's like it's a brand new day. He could hit the big time. I mean, you know, he has to shed what's come before. You know, sometimes you only get one moment in time to take that chance. But I really feel like we could have one more day involved that really just, you know, has him losing some of this stuff. And maybe that'll happen with issue two. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You really have to shed this this joke we're doing here. (laughs) Before we start doing it 24-7. Well, you know, I think think the biggest failing... So many new ways to die. Oh well, you 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 talk about his new job, yeah. Well, well, let me read you a sample of his new job to show that this was not written like you know, like with fan fiction in mind. We house several five star restaurants, a health club, movie theater, complete research library, you name it. What? Oh, oh, and 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 in like a few sentences before, let's see. Um, blah, blah, blah. But it's 1998. The economy is good. I can imagine companies having stuff like this. I mean, no, no, no. This is not realistic. Let's see. Well, where's the part she says that, like, you can come into work whenever you want. You don't have set hours. But I've heard rumors that all these dot-com companies that are starting up nowadays are doing this. I mean, they're they're really catering to people who want to think on their own schedule. Oh, here we go. Should you be invited to join us, you will work independently, keep your own hours, and work at your own play- pace. And go to any of our five-star restaurants, on- on-site movie theater and health club. Come on. Come on. Even now, in modern-day 1998, I have a hard time believing this. The, 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 this is like something that like an eight-year-old would write on it. No offense, Don. How old are you? Nine. Yeah, they know it. Yeah, okay. So, like, this is like something that Dom would have written in grade school last year. And then when I grow up, I'm going to work at a place and it's going to have a McDonald's and there's going to be ice cream, you know, and a movie theater. And I could come into work whenever I want and work as much as I want. Like, but I honestly you. have heard that that's how some of these companies operate. I, 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 I mean, that's why I'm thinking about going into computers, is that, that that's how some of these people do things. But this isn't a computer company. This is a company that was like she says was like down on Earth. Yeah, this is like this is what happened over 100. This company was founded over 100 years ago, and they're not a dot com company. They're not like selling things like you know like that like that. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It seems a little bit extreme, but it also seems to me within the realms of of believable fantasy. Uh, no, no, no. The Fantastic Four's headquarters aren't this elaborate. Reed Richards' lab isn't even this elaborate, okay? But the Fantastic Four have always had money problems. Yeah, yeah, and you know what? That, that That's one of the draws of Marvel Comics, that their heroes have realistic problems. Well, well, well here, here's here's the thing, here's the thing. The, to me, the failing of this issue is highlighted on the very last page when Peter says, Thanks, Aunt May. That is the best thing anyone could have said to me today, which he says that she and Uncle Ben are proud of him, that he got the job. And the issue ends with a, a shadow image of Spider-Man says the end. And then you realize 
Peter didn't do anything in this issue. All he did was stand by, and yeah, he helped people uh, escape some like falling uh, debris or whatever. But like, essentially, this story followed Peter as he was basically doing nothing. And if that's and if that's the impetus you're setting this new this new title on this both two titles, this and Peter Parker, then why should anybody read the book if he's not going to be in the meat of the action? We're basically following a bystander who's away from the action, and I think that's very. That's a very uh, wrong-headed way to approach it, especially a character like Spider-Man, who's had his own TV show, which just wrapped up, and an excellent episode that uh, that adopted the Clone Saga, and uh, many other cartoons. That's another thing that I had with this issue, is there is a little bit of a lack of focus. This is the Amazing Spider-Man number one. The issue seems to be like it wants to focus on Peter Parker, but Peter Parker's not Spider-Man. Spider-Man comes in, we have no idea who this character is, because it's not Peter Parker. At first, you think it might be whenever he first attacks the Scorpion. You think he might be, you know, Peter Parker lying to Mary Jane, but we quickly realize that that's not the case. So I do agree that there is a lack of focus in the story. Like, there's a there's a red herring that's not even a red herring. It's just like a B-plot. That well, and that was a cool narrative device that got spoiled by all those ads in, Weird, in Wizard Magazine saying, if this is Peter Parker, then who's Spider-Man? Otherwise, that would have been a really cool surprise that got spoiled by the marketing departments. But if, you're, if your magazine is called The Amazing Spider-Man, then we should know who Spider-Man is. And if we're focusing on Peter Parker and we know that Peter Parker is not Spider-Man, it's, it's almost like we already know going into this story and having finished issue one, we already know that Peter Parker is going to be Spider-Man again because the comic book cares about him. It, we, we are currently, as readers, caring more about Peter Parker than we are about Spider-Man. And for a book called The Amazing Spider-Man, I feel like that was either a wrong move or a giveaway where the story's going move. I'm inclined to agree. I had my issues with Jonah Bean. We were talking about Control of the Bugle, and this is a problem that's happened before the reboot. Jonah Bean as in Control of the Bugle as he is because there was a point, and I'll get into this, I guess, later. Yeah, we're, okay, they made a big deal. You know, speaking of Scorpion, like, you know, Jonah revealed that he was behind the creation of the Scorpion, and Spider-Man said, you can never work as a newsman again after this. This makes you a big phony. The public will never believe you again. So he quits. It's a big deal. He's still publisher of the paper. He still owns the paper, but he quits. And Joe Robertson is made editor-in-chief. And for the next few months of the stories, Peter's selling his photos to Joe and not Jonah. And he's like commenting that, you know, Robertson has different standards for his photos because Jonah was more of a sensationalist. Robbie won't accept Peter's photos, you know, because even though they have Spider-Man in it, because like they're out of focus and stuff. And like that. And, and Jonah's like criticizing Robbie's, you know, like running to the paper. Like, why is this headline like this and not like that? And Robbie's like, Jonah, I'm editor in chief. This is how I'm going to run the paper. Here, it's like Jonah's giving, you know, people assignments and, like, basically running – this is no different than when Robbie was city editor and Jonah was editor-in-chief. It's it's like, you know, that that big dynamic quo status quo change never happened. And when we get into Peter Parker, it's just as bad in Peter Parker. Now, Joe makes a comment, and I and I think both issues, oh, I'm still editor-in-chief. Then freaking show it! Yeah, Peter, Peter says, I got some photos for Robbie. He asked me to, and then Jonah says, give them to me! They're useless. You expect me to pay good money for shots any kid could take with a disposable camera? Um, bring me shots of Spider-Man breaking the law, and you'll collect a paycheck. Until then, stay out of my face. Jonah is basically a, a, the equivalent of like, of like the producer as opposed to like the, the actual director or writer. Yeah, and, 
character. And in fact, to me, it seems it seems to me in character for Jonah to forget that today, or maybe forget that for the last couple of weeks. I think he's been building up this idea that he should have his old job back, and so he's trying to you know elbow his way into what is now Robbie's turf. To me, yeah. that seems like an in character thing for Jonah to do. To me, it feels like them just trying to recapture the glory days in the old status quo. Because Don Don mentions the whole thing about you know Peter showing the photos to Jonah when they did that in the eighties. You know, Peter showed some photos to Jonah, and Jonah liked them. Robbie got mad at Peter because he says, "You went over my head." Now, because you showed those to Jonah and he liked them, if I don't like them, then it looks like you know, then it makes Jonah call in the question, you know, my judgment and stuff like that. And I'm running this paper. Don't do that again. Well, you know, here it's who who the who the heck cares? I think that I agree with both of you guys. They're trying to uh, if they were having a plot with, with Jonah pining for his old job, then it's coming off as too comedian, too and too sensationalistic. I wish I could find a better word for that. And I think they're trying to capture the status quo by having this this humor aspect to this to the story. But in this, after we've gone through the Clone Saga and then and then Howard Mackey's Peter Parker run, where a lot of things like were done. A lot more with a modern take. I think it's a little too late to go back to the whole the goofy Jonah thing. And even if it wasn't, in this issue specifically, it comes off as really, really, really bombastic. And I don't. It it takes me out of the story. How like because Jonah's like on PCP in this scene. He's screaming. He's like boo, boo. And like you know, like I'll fire all of you if you don't give me pictures of Spider-Man who's been missing for months and who, may, who might be dead. I don't know. <laughs> like it, it, it's crazy. Almost like he's being a caricature of Jonah instead of actually being Jonah. He is is 100% a caricature of Jonah. Exactly. And if he wants his old job back, that would actually be an interesting character development. And it's a good interpretation. But if they don't explore that, then it's not – then it basically means nothing. And Maybe that's the direction they're going to go. We have to wait until the next issue. And and, and it undermines – the whole thing undermines the big status quo change from the 80s. It basically, like, you know, robs that story of its weight, robs that story of its significance. And it's just – I really don't like Marvel taking a Spider-Man story, you know, from the 80s, you know, that had a major, you know – a status quo change for Spider-Man and then just acting like it never happened. Well, okay. I, I think that we have definitely explored this story. Does anyone have any other thoughts on this story? I do think that it's an interesting idea to have Peter not as Spider-Man and a mysterious Spider-Man going around. I just think that for setting up the new, I mean, and I said this before, but to, but to put a stamp on it, I think that to set up a new title, it's, it's, it's too strange. Of, I, I don't, I don't think, I, don't, I think it's the wrong choice, essentially. Not that they're handling it horribly, but that's not the story they should be concentrating on. I think they should be concentrating on how Peter adjusts to his new. How, I don't know. I just I just wish they weren't approaching this way to where Peter is basically a bystander in the in the story. That's that's all really because like I like the idea of the story. I like the arts. It's just that for what what this issue and the and the other titles represent, I don't I don't think is is appropriate necessarily. That's my final thought. I I found the backups in this much more disappointing than than the main feature. The, the second – and there, there are three stories. The main feature, which was however many pages long, 20, 30 pages. Um, and then the second feature is just four, and it is called Stanley Presents Rebirth. It happens a week before the main story. We have Howard Mackey on story, Raphael Kayanan on pencils, Jimmy Palmiotti on inks, John Calise colors, and everything else is the same as in the first story. Um, the only thing worth noting – I mean basically it sums up as – 
uh, Matt Gargan got his new Scorpion suit a week ago. It was given to him forcibly by a mysterious person or persons that we don't see except in shadows. Um, it looks like they broke him out of jail with him unconscious. Matt Gargan wakes up in this... Uh, science! And, yeah, he wakes up in the middle of science. And he's <laughs> the new suit is being techno dreamscape scienced onto him. And the person who's, it really looks like there's a shot that makes it look like the Venom symbiote is being splashed onto him in his dream. And he wakes up and he's the new Scorpion. Oh, can uh, you imagine Scorpion getting the Venom symbiotes? <laughs> Venom oh, no. is Venom. That's never going to change. I mean, if, if you have Eddie Brock and the, and the suit, that's Venom. If you have somebody else with the suit, that's not Venom anymore. Well, in the Venom minis, in the Venom miniseries that they've done, I think that they did one recently where like his ex-wife gets it at one point and becomes she Venom. She does, but like Eddie still has his symbiote. Yeah, yeah. So they have, they have, they have Spawn of Venom, but Eddie is still Venom. Well, no, 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 no. He gave it to her, like the oh, suit. He gave it to like, her? okay. Yeah, but he got it back at the end. So, anyways, um, the person who wants Matt Gargan to have this new suit also wants Matt Gargan as a Scorpion to be this person's weapon which is kind of the implication that we got in the main story he was working for somebody else now we still know that he's working for somebody else we don't know who that person i mean we learn nothing here except that matt gargan got this new suit against his will and is on this mission against his will that's all we know and i bet you john that we will never find out who that's not the way comic stories work of course we're going to find out who what makes, you think that we, what makes you think that we won't we won't find out who, Josh? With Just my my history with Howard Mackey. I know that we still don't know who Facade is, and I I, I grant you that that was a, a a plot direction that went nowhere. And there were some plot several major plot threads in the Clone Saga that just got, kind of fizzled out along the I way. I thought he was killed by Norman Osborn. Yeah, but you never found out like who he was. He was killed by Phosphate Pete and Norman. Like you never found out like what his deal was. Like because apparently he was like this like big tough guy it's it's i'm, I'm not going to get into it now but howard Mackey, he's very very bad with wrapping up plot threads and mysteries and i just have a feeling that with all that's on his plate we're not going to find out who hired the scorpion i mean heck i'll be wrong tell you what if we're wrong john I mean, i'll give you some money and you know not in in 2012 okay it's <laughs> a very arbitrary number yeah oh two or okay or 2011 years. Well, you're already giving me money in 2011, so yeah, make it make it an annual thing. Give me some money in 2012. In fact, give me several hundred dollars in 2012 so that I can go to San Diego Comic-Con someday in my life. I like the design of the Scorpion costume. Um, it's it's something that's kind of different. It's still green, but it's kind of hard-edged. And it would be cool to see that in like a some sort of form of animation or maybe in a possible game or something. But who knows? I do like the new design. I mean, it's heavily armored. That's something that we've definitely gotten a lot of in this... You know the, this stage the comics are in. It's it's sort of a thing. It, it's I can t- I can see the Rob Liefeld influence on the industry in him here, but I still like it. It's very different to what Scorpion had before. And like I said I, earlier, I if 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 they hadn't told me this was a Scorpion, I wouldn't have guessed it was a Scorpion. I like it. It's very modern, very nineties. Uh, well, finally, in the book, there's a four-page bit called The Secrets of Spider-Man by John Byrne doing the writing and the art and John Cleese on colors. Not much here. Basically, just a rundown of Spider-Man's powers. 
We do see that the web spinners were the end result of a science project. He'd been working for a year, not the 10-second whip-up that we saw in Amazing Fantasy 15. Well, that and, was revealed in the Minus One issues uh, that that was done about a year ago. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. I, I forget about things like that. You know me and my memory. The only odd thing is that this is all told us by Peter within the framework of I'm no longer Spider-Man, but it's cool to have all these powers, which goes along with what I said about the first story is that this is this amazing Spider-Man, but we're not focusing on Spider-Man. We're focusing on ex-Spider-Man. No, not ex-Spider-Man, exposition Spider-Man. Because if you didn't know, <laughs> if you didn't know his origin and his powers from that little fold-out thing, then you could read it in the main story. But if you miss the fold-out page, and if you miss the main story, here's a backup story. So you have three places in this very issue that tell you everything that you know about Spider-Man. Take your pick. It's multiple choice. But they've done these little rundowns of his powers before and anniversary issues and annuals and stuff, so I can't really fault him for doing it here. Well, then don't do the exposition in the first story. You know, if, if that's explained in the back of the book, you know, like, we don't need... Actually, like, this is the first time we see Spider-Man using his webs. Because Peter Parker wasn't webbing around, and new Spider-Man doesn't seem to have web shooters. So this is the only place in the book that we see spider webs. I except for the recap page. Except for the recap page where he's bound up Goblin, you're right. Yeah, no, no, like, how about, how about we, you know, maybe next issue, it'll be a day in the life of J. Jonah Jameson, and they'll have a recap page that say, J. Jonah Jameson, in case you didn't know, is the publisher of the Daily Bugle, and then the Human Torch will give exposition in the main story saying, oh, J. Jonah Jameson, noted publisher of the Daily Bugle, that way the reader will know that Jonah's the publisher of the Daily Bugle, then we'll have a backup story. Where J. Jonah Jameson's going through his attic thinking, boy, aren't I lucky to be publisher of the Daily Bugle? That way, the reader has three chances to learn that he's the publisher of the Daily Bugle. But check well, out Dr. Octopus's crazy arms. Uh, say, uh, chapter one. <laughs> in terms of like the origin, how soon is – like when is James Cameron's movie coming out again? Because we, we'll see the origin there. Uh, they keep on delaying that thing like all get out. He better not get Leonardo DiCaprio to play Spider-Man, by the way. Well, my thing is that you know people – are so used to the origin that we might they might skip it over because I I think I'm not sure if people want to see it in a movie but uh, they might I mean who well you know? have you have all the people out there who've never touched a comic book and never watched a superhero cartoon and we we have like more superhero cartoons this decade than we've ever had before it's kind of sad that a lot of them kind of suck but there are a lot of them out there but there's still a lot of people who have never seen Spider Man except for you know just generally. So I don't. I don't think. I think an origin would be would be fine to have in a movie. Well, they can at least tell it once and get it over with, and never tell it again. Right, right. You wouldn't want to like you know tell it again ten years later or something like that because people can always get the, the the VHS or the laser disc. Just be kind and rewind. Yes, yes, yes. yes. I hate it when I go to Blockbuster and I rent a movie and the person who got it before me hasn't rewound it. It's just annoying. It's it's like not putting the toilet seat down whenever you're done. It's just Why don't like we consider it for the next person? Okay, so that wraps up The Amazing Spider-Man. Do we want to look at ads before we go on to the next book? Because I, I kind of like the ads in this issue. <laughs> yeah, do it. We have an ad for the famous Jet Jackson on the Disney Channel. He's a famous TV star living in a small town, and when the cameras go off, the real adventure begins. Are y'all watching this? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> yes we are it's got a show with the show <laughs> what are your thoughts on it don 
I love the show. I mean, it's it's cool to have. I think it's a unique concept to have like a a kid actor who is acting. It's not as though he he was an actor. He still is an actor, and it's not. I expect it to be a comedy like my Boy Meets World, like three camera sitcom. But it's it's sort of like a like a it's 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 an interesting show, and it's it's not been on too much. I kind of wish that they would do more with like like like, like the Silverstone, which is his a uh, TV character. I don't know, like maybe have a, maybe have like a, like a television movie where they have Silverstone or something like that. But right now, it's it's pretty cool seeing Jet Jackson. Silverstone. <laughs> it had to be famous, Jet Jackson. <laughs> it had to be. Oh god, yeah, we're, we're we're in for a ride. I can tell you that right now. Jet Jackson. Uh, the next ad is for uh, from the creators of Toy Story. This giant grasshopper is saying, "Bugs kick grass." Disney oh. Pixar A Bug's Life coming out on Thanksgiving, which is already out now as we're recording this because it's the end of the month. But uh, yeah. I haven't seen this movie yet. Have y'all seen it? I actually did see it. I saw uh, my, my my class took a trip to this like new theater where they had like these like 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 um this is actually a true story. Like like they had like uh, these like three D seats. They didn't have three D goggles, but they had these seats to like sort of simulate the motions of the like the movies going on. I saw the movie there and it was it was a fun movie. I'm still really over Jet Jackson. <laughs> the famous Jet Jackson, oh my lord. <laughs> this really could have been planned better by marketing, because we have two movies about ants, you know, like, or, or, or bugs, excuse me, because we just had in October, you know, the ants movie with Woody Allen. Right. Uh, and that's DreamWorks, and DreamWorks and Disney are two separate companies and always will be. <laughs> I love how you said that. So it, it's it, you're right. It, it's sort of like there was a zeitgeist. Like they were, they both had the idea, or maybe you know, all, these 3D CGI and movies have to be in production for like five years before they actually get you know released. So it's possible that somebody said something to somebody else in a you know, in a you know, what do you call those elbow rubbing parties that expensive rich people go to maybe in the five-star restaurant that their production house you know had <laughs> good god um okay i hate then you we... try corp i hate you so much <laughs> then we have an ad okay there are two ads on this page when you buy a pair of these shoes the answer um 11 dmx light you get one of these iverson allen allen iverson flip books uh, I don't know, it's some sort of shoe ad. I, I can't afford the cool shoes. I never have been able to afford the cool shoes. I got beat up for wearing the wrong kinds of shoes. But the first role-playing Marvel comic, Battletoads. Unleash what? the hero within. Let the games begin for the first time ever. Ba- I'm sorry, Battle Books, not Battletoads. Jeez. I was about to say, that's the hardest fucking game in the world. <laughs> Battle Books will allow fans to actually be their favorite heroes on sale this November. I haven't seen this yet in the in, on the shelves. Do y'all know what this is? This battle books thing? Yeah, that like that they, they have these ones that come out like for Electra and Spider Girl where it like the I don't know how to play, but like I flipped through the Spider Girl and Electra one and it really has like just like different stats for them and like Spider Girl can do this kick and this thing and blah blah so blah. It's like a combination comic book and role playing stats thing. Yeah. Well, speaking of uh, games, there's an overpower card game. The, the, all these companies making card games trying to beat Magic. Um, want to get your hands on a free copy of the Ultra Rare Sun... Yeah, I don't even know what this is. I mean, Pokemon we played cards. Magic and we played Jihad, and to me, those are the only card games worth playing. I like Pokemon cards. 
Yeah, Pokemon cards are pretty fun. They're, they're, I mean, yeah, y'all heard about Pokemon, right? That Game Boy color game where you collect oh, these monsters. The very best. Like no one ever was. Dun, 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 dun. That show's go so awesome, and it's gonna last forever because it is so cool. <laughs> <laughs> then there's a uh, another Mile High Comics. Of course, Mile High Comics has been putting ads in comics for you know this entire decade. But now you can order. Your, uh, they have some free Marvel comics they're giving away. It looks like old copies of Infinity War and Warlock: The Infinity Watch and stuff like that. But to order your free comics, use your computer to reach www.milehighcomics.com/free on the internet. Oh, By cool. joining they have their own website. Com- yeah, they have an actual internet website um, on the World Wide Web. By joining the Marvel Comics email club operated by Mile High Comics, you'll be receiving not only free comics, but also news, back-issue discounts, and all these other things. Um, just go to the to the World Wide Web Internet site. Are those forward slashes or backslashes? Uh, forward slash. Okay. I always get confused. I do declare. By the, clip, by the way, I don't get confused. They are forward slashes, and it bothers me no end when people call them backslashes, but whatever. And it says, sorry, this offer is valid only when ordered through the internet. It's like they think this internet thing is going to last. Uh, business done primarily through online. That's uh, that's interesting. Well, I guess it makes it's easier to communicate online than it is through mail order. I don't know, because to communicate online, like, it's just, okay. You know, if I want to write a letter to someone, I sit down, I write the letter, I stamp it, I send it. Simple enough. If I want to email somebody, I have to make sure that nobody's on the phone. I have to connect to AOL, which takes a little while. Then I sign on. Then I have to write the email, make sure I have the person's email address, try and send it, hope that my mom doesn't pick up the phone and start the whole process over, then send it to them. And it's just too much of a hassle. The next ad is this two-pager for Xeno Gears on the PlayStation. I don't have a PlayStation. Oh. Stand tall, shake the heavens. It looks like some sort of one of those mecha anime cartoons I, turned into a video I game. I am trying to remember this. I seriously like like I never actually played this, but I remember this ad, seeing this ad a lot. I've seen this ad a lot in the in the, my Batman comics that I collect. They're going they're going on right now. And let's see. There's the bullpen bulletins where they have a rundown of all the comics that are coming out this week and talking about how next week's going to be Peter Parker, Spider-Man number one. So you really got to get that. Well, uh, what else came out this week? A next number four, which I have been, it, it's been okay. Not as good as spider girl, which is also just kind of okay right now. Hopefully that book will get better. I'm sure it'll be, it'll develop a big cult following or something, but right now it's just kind of meh. Captain America number 13 where the Red Skull comes back because 13 is an unlucky number. Essential Avengers trade paperbacks. What do you all think about these essential volumes that they're starting to do, where they're like the black and white collections? I love them. Cheaper than Cheaper than, re- cheaper than, yeah, cheaper than getting the original issues. Yeah, but they have so many color reprints of, like, you know, Marvel Tales. and They should do stuff like that for the reprints. I don't know. Yeah, yeah I don't but, know. Black and white but, is so boring. I, never, I, never, I, never, I don't think I'll ever get, get used to that. It's just like to get issues of of Spider-Man classics that you know reprint series from a few years ago, like which they didn't even go past, like you know Craven. Yeah. And then you, then you have to do Marvel Tales, and then like if they're missing an issue, they're missing an issue. Like this, you get them all at once. You get them all for like what fifteen bucks or something, dude. For fifteen bucks, you know, I I don't even know if I'd be able to get you know 
a, a dozen issues of re and then if I and then if it's not reprinted in like Marvel Tales or something, you have to find the original issue. Which if your LCS has it, they're charging you up the yin gang for it. I guess I like the Marvel Masterworks better, and they haven't gone very far in those, but that you know maybe they will. I, I like the Marvel Masterworks. Agreed. They have Heroes for Hire number nineteen, Incredible Hulk number four hundred seventy two, which is like one of only two books that hasn't restarted the numbering now. Uh, Punisher number three of four because he doesn't have any ongoings. I think it's just miniseries. Peter Parker Spider Man number one, and I guess these are the next week's books. What you're supposed to get the uh, Thunderbolts number twenty two, Thunderbolts I haven't read. Uncanny X Men three hundred sixty four, Union Jack number two of three, X Man number forty seven. That's going to go forever. X Men the second series number eighty three, and X Men the manga twenty. Those are the books that are on the shelves right now. Or, or the week after this book came out. And yeah, Stan Lee asks, answers some random interview questions, and there's not a whole lot of Spider-Man-related stuff in the in the Bullpen Bulletins page. A new series of correspondence courses on comic book art, Joe Kubert's World of Cartooning. Oh yeah, I remember that. That's, that's going to be really cool. I'm, I'm going to try to go to that someday. East Coast Comics, and I swear they have the exact same ad design here that they had in 1990 when I started buying comics. Um, what else? Subscri- oh yeah, a subscription offer because uh, it's X Men 35th anniversary. There's a lot of X Men deals. Um, Risk, the game of global domination on the inside back cover because everybody plays Risk except me, and that is the end of the issue. And we're going to stop the file right there for this episode as well. We're going to come back in about 10 days to talk more about these new Spider-Man books for the reboot month of November 1998, because it's really awesome whenever comic book companies reboot their titles. So be back here for Amazing Spider-Man Classics, episode 35. Find out what happened in Peter Parker's Spider-Man number one, web spinners, tales of Spider-Man, and hear whether or not these stories will actually go anywhere. If you want to contact the show, all you need to do is write a letter in a self-addressed stamped envelope to AmazingSpiderManClassics at gmail.com. Um, that's gmail.com North Dakota. You can also visit us on the web at amazingspiderman.libson.com. If you want to invent a social networking site where people can like keep a book of all the faces of their friends, then you could also um, put our face in that book. And then you could find us in that book of faces by searching Amazing Spider-Man Classics. And until next time, my name is John Wilson, and this has been a very special episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics. Which, by the way, okay, this Fantastic Four renumbering, they're renumbering <laughs> it to 
They're renumbering it to six hundreds, but then they're also like they're going to continue Fantastic Four as its own series, but then continue FF as its own series. That doesn't even make sense because they've done that Fantastic- before, though. I mean, it doesn't make sense when they've done it before either, but they have done it before. Because the Fantastic Four six hundred, that means that they're counting FF as issues of Fantastic Four, uh-huh. but then they're continuing FF. That would be like if Spider-Man decided to celebrate, I don't know, their 700th issue next month, and they said, well, we borrowed numbers from another series, you know? Right. Wait, wait, wait. So they're going to have the, the Future Foundation and the Fantastic Four simultaneously? Yes. Jonathan Hickman is going to have two series going. He's going to have a Future Foundation series that, that has less to do with the actual FF members, like Reed, Sue, and, and Thing. And then he's going to continue Fantastic Four 600 with the Fantastic Four, including Spider-Man. I said before that numbering, like, it, it's just, like, not important in this day and age because of the reboot. But now, like, it's a numbering scheme that doesn't make sense because you can't continue Future Foundation or First Family, whatever they're calling it, but then use those numbers. Like, you're using numbers from another series that's still going for Fantastic Four. That doesn't make sense. Well, it's like whenever Incredible Hulk became Incredible Hercules. But then a new Hulk series started up that got changed to 600. While Incredible Hercules was still going with 130 or 140 or whatever number it was. Um, Or when... uh, There was something else recently. I forget what it was, though. Daredevil. Daredevil went to 500-something and then became Black Panther, the man without fear. And now it's Daredevil. While Black Panther is still going in the 500s, uh, but that's Daredevil's different thing. because Daredevil has a new number one. If they were the now, if they were bring Daredevil back and like use the numbering from Black Panther, that would be different. But if Daredevil were currently in an upper number, like a five eighty nine or something, and they did this with Daredevil number one, you know they would play number games when they got to Daredevil six hundred. They probably will play number games when they get to Daredevil six hundred. Right now, it's different because it's just Black Panther took over Daredevil's title, and Daredevil has a new title. Now, if they were to give Daredevil an issue six hundred, but continue Black Panther's title, like with the same numbering, then then then, then it would be a problem. You want to hear the the first, the earliest instance I know of some really major number shenanigans that Marvel did was um, Strange Tales went up to issue 178 and then became Doctor Strange. And oh, I, then I, know, I know that. And then in the 70s, they wanted to bring back Strange Tales, and they continued it with 179, even though there had been a Doctor Strange 179 through 185 or however long he lasted before he got canceled. So you had a title split there that was that 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 is annoying. But now it's like it's Tuesday when they want to do confusing number things. Oh, She-Hulk! Like She-Hulk's been been, been relaunched so many times. Uh, let me see. I'm looking up when they did this. Okay, yeah. With the creative team Dan Slott and Juan Bubiel from the previous series, the book returned eight eight months later. Yeah, the book had like an eight month hiatus at one point, and then like had a new number one. For issue number three, issue number three, they get they they, they renumbered it to issue one hundred because it was the one hundredth She-Hulk comic ever produced on issue three. But then the next issue they went all the way back to issue four. What the? F- <laughs> they didn't even like stay with the numbers to celebrate. They just 
No! Snagged it and kept going. First of all, it had only been canceled for eight months. Eight months away. Well, let's give it a new number one. It's the same writer. It's the same storyline. It's the same concept. Like, why? Like, nowadays, they renumber. Like, I I still don't know why they renumber New Avengers. Oh, well, because they finished the story they were telling. Yeah, you know what? Amazing Spider-Man finished the story they were telling. How about they renumber? Damn it. (laughs) It's just so point, and that's why I think that they need to do magazine numbering at this point. Just say that it's the March night, you know, like 2012 issue or whatever. No Man's Land is about to start. Okay. It's it's like right now it, the books have the banner road to No Man's Land. No Man's Land kicks off in January because it was a 1999 event. That's right. That's right. That's right. I think Young Justice is out or is starting. The uh, the comic series. I'm just gonna go to DC indexes and bring up. And when is da- and when did Daredevil get rebooted? Because you told me it was like late '98. I I know it was in '98 somewhere. It wasn't '99. It was. I think it was already done by this point. You told me over the phone, like, because I asked you, like, what the difference was between like 380 and uh, issue one. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna. I'm on Marvel. Okay, DC indexes stops keeping track of series whenever they end after Heroes Reborn. And Daredevil is not listed. Okay, Daredevil 379 was on sale in July. Daredevil 380 was on sale in August. So it rebooted just a few months ago. Probably about the same time that Spider-Girl started. I bet you Spider-Girl number one and Daredevil number one were the same month. What if just ended recently? Oh, wasn't the last issue with Spider-Girl? Yeah, what if 114 was uh, two months See, ago? What The last issue of what if was the Secret Wars thing. Right. What if the Marvel heroes had like not been rescued from Battleworld? Dude, those last issues of What If were fucking dark. Like, they did one where it's like, there's a John Byrne story where uh, the, where the Fantastic Four are, like, trapped in this town that Doctor Doom made. And, like, Ben Grimm is, like, a human again, and he's married to Alicia. But, like, in the What If of it, like, Ben Grimm decides to stay there with Alicia. And the rest of the Fantastic Four die, which, like, that's all well and cool the way I describe it. But the way that it plays out in the story and the way that Ben Grimm finds out and Alicia's reaction to it, it's really dark like they go off to battle and he and alicia like babysit the kids and like he's wondering where they are it's very foreboding then like when he's battling with doom he sees their corpses and it's like all rotted and then like when alicia finds out that he basically like let his friends like die like like when they when they get rescued she like turns herself away from him and says like i've never thought you were a monster till now (laughs) wow (laughs) yeah I look at these issues. I, I remember some of these. Oh, Robin number 60. Yeah. I think Spoiler's pregnant right now. Young Justice yeah. Secret Files. She is. All-Star Comics Archives. Yay, JSA. Ooh, a Batman, Hellboy, Starman crossover one-shot. I because you demanded it. Yeah, I don't know exactly if that would be any good, but I would like to read it. No one does it better than the Birds of Prey. No, I, I, I saw that episode the other night, like on YouTube, the full episode. Batman throws his What's up with that Superman throw? cover? The Alex Ross one, that was the uh, Superman uh, piece thing. Look I like a Superman Jetsons. 141. Look at the Jetsons cover. It's like two Judy Jetsons are kissing Alroy, and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, because I really want two of copies of my sister to kiss me. It's just and weird. This is a real cutie specimen, and she's starting to get a little booty, Miss Judy Jetson. Oh, I remember that night. One nice sister, two. Ew. <laughs> What can a boy do? Gets a stil- These are weird. <laughs> oh my god, JLA Titans. Oh my god. Birds of Prey number one. Is this the actual ongoing? Oh, uh, where's JLA Titans? Oh my god, JLA Titans. Oh god. We're, we're, I'm, I'm trying to find that. 
I have so many mixed feelings about that series. There was some good stuff in it and some bad stuff in it. It's basically like it, it was a lot of good fan waking for the history of the Titans, but like they were peaked. <gasps> so- Generations number one, you read that? Where John Byrne has like an elderly Superman make out with a teenage Lana Lang. <laughs> I'm not I kidding. I'm not I know, kidding. I, I know. I remember. Like, please, Superman, give me a kiss. Just this, so I remember. Where Jam- is this? I remember coming out at the time. I remember Generations. Oh, yeah, Batman, Superman, Generations number one. Oh, that's the series I haven't read. John Justice number four. Oh, this this is like the part four of the harm arc. Oh my god, Animaniacs! I remember that se- that series. It's time for Animaniacs. It, it appeared in a comic, which I followed actually. Amazing classics, Annie. Animaniacs. <laughs> Redcon <laughs> baby. Redcon Mary Janey. Classics is amazing. Who was Gwen dating? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, JLA Titans. The whole like plot of it was basically like Cyborg, who hasn't been seen for years. He's like he's he's like more ma- he's more machine now than man. He's like <laughs> capturing all the Titans and putting them like in stasis, and nobody knows why. Do you know why he was doing it? It's because he missed his family. Aww. Aww. And they repeat so many times in that series that the Titans are a family. Did you know that the Justice League's a team, but the Titans are a family? Oh, by the way, the Titans are a family. You know that they're a family, right? Yep, we're sure one big family. Family, family, family. They say it like 90 times. And at the end, like, they're all about to die in outer space. And, and like, they're holding hands and they're like, if we're going to die. At least we're dying with our family. Yes. And then, and then Kyle Rayner saves them. And he jokes about, like, Donna Troy breaking up with him. Superman Silver Banshee number two, because Silver Banshee needed a miniseries. And you demanded it. Batman Toy Man number three. Because Dude. Toy Man is a Batman villain, and it needs a miniseries. It demands it. <laughs> I, I feel like I may have the shits coming on. I feel like the coffee might have gone to my my, my uh, digestive system. Um, so I might need to... Actually, yeah, let's... <laughs> <laughs> let's pause... So take me away, I don't mind, but you better promise me you'll be back in time.